Hey guys, welcome to MAU Talk, a podcast from MAU Vegas, the premier mobile acquisition and retention summit. Adam sat down with Chloe Gingrich, Vertical Insights Marketing Manager at Facebook, to discuss the recently released report, Games Marketing Insights for 2021. The influx of new gamers that started playing during the pandemic has had a systemic shift on the industry. Adam and Chloe discussed the research Facebook put together to understand who these new gamers are, their spending and playing habits, and how marketers can leverage this information to plan for 2021 and beyond. Over to you, Adam. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MAU Talk, the most literally named podcast in the industry, uh, episode unknown, call it 20. We've got a cool one today. Uh, uh, I'm joined by Chloe Gingrich, who's from the Facebook team. She is a, a global insight strategist focused on gaming and e-commerce. And Facebook very, very recently published uh, a really genuinely interesting long-form gaming report, which we're going to be talking about. So Chloe, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. And I appreciate the qualifier of genuinely. You know, I think that in today's day and age, there's a lot of you know noise out there. There's a lot of pages and things to consume. But I think with the work that we produce, we always try and have kind of an interesting and thought-provoking angle. So uh, specifically in my role, um, like you said, I'm an insight strategist and I'm focused on understanding the human behaviors and motivations across the you know, consumers in both the gaming and e-commerce industries, respectively. So what that means in the last year has really uh, completely, you know, reshaping everything that we once knew, right? And so I think this piece of work was really interesting because you saw the games industry kind of show up for people in ways that, you know, we couldn't show up for one another physically. So obviously it led to, you know, these unprecedented spikes and people playing and, you know, really looking at games as a way to bring, you know, the world together in ways that we couldn't do, you know, around the table, if you will. Okay. So, so we're going to be talking about this research report. It's publicly available, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll shout out the URL at the end. Okay. Yep. Um, so before we get into the specifics, um, t- tell me about the, the the research itself. I mean, it was a survey. What countries were you covering? You know, some of the some of the basics. We surveyed thirteen thousand respondents across nine countries to really understand how the pandemic was affecting the games landscape. This report features uh, four key markets that are you know important to the games marketing industry as well as developers. Um, and we really you know kind of highlight the unprecedented surge in the consumer demand that you know came from this unprecedented time in the world and saw that there was just, you know, an astronomical number of, uh, you know, millions of new players that were added, as well as, you know, a kind of interesting demographic shift from one market in particular that we'll dive deep into. Okay, so let's get into that. So so I, I read the report. One thing I think is, is kind of interesting, which I hope you could speak to, is your around the... Um, just the the age demographics, specifically what you saw from older demos, like our our generation's parents, um, you know, kind of ages. Uh, so, could could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So we saw that you know across the world that there was kind of a consistently younger demos. Um, but I think what was interesting is that our study showed that there was a thirty two percent increase in the 55 to 64 year old uh, kind of not quite baby baby boomer, but just like, you know, the, the ones that are just under them. 
Um, And so, you know, I think surprisingly, you know, maybe not shockingly, these people were really uh, kind of drawn to games. And if you think about 24% of grandparents and parents kind of coming together as a family, and you really take a step back and think about it, like many of these people were gamers in the 70s, and they kind of grew up with it. They might have known Atari, they might have been around, you know, and in the impetus of the games industry and now sure. you know their their love of game is kind of coming back and it's really transcended you know the their lives right and so you know this this forced fun if you will that the pandemic has kind of really brought forward in terms of connecting i think that this is likely here to stay and uh you know these numbers are just kind of continuing to accelerate um which is interesting and i don't think it hurts that like the uh you know, it's kind of like the arcade generation is actually extremely well served by the mobile app ecosystem because like you can pretty much find every arcade game ever rearticulated in like a thousand different mobile games in some form or another. Like they're, they're mostly pretty familiar patterns, which, which I imagine makes them more appealing, like easier to adopt, even just, you know, even just like simple match three puzzles and stuff like that's kind of like a universal like gaming format, a lot less intense than picking up a console and, you know, trying to get into something more hardcore. Um, okay. All right. So obviously there's demographics as part of this. Uh, you looked at purchasing slash sort of monetization preferences. Uh, you looked at some player preferences around like gaming types and stuff. So the, the report is relatively expansive, but why don't I'll just ask a broad question. Uh, what, what are some of like the biggest for you personally takeaways, like big, big things that jumped out as you guys completed the, the research? Yeah, I mean, I think just the surge, right? Like if you think about the mobile gaming population and just people like in the world that have access to cell phones, like that is the vast majority, right? But I think like the audience growth since March 2020 was just genuinely mind-blowing. I mean, in the UK alone, it was basically 50% of the UK UK population was now um, playing mobile games, right? So like, this uh, was a really interesting, you know, time for people to really find a sense of togetherness and escapism through mobile games. And, you know, I think the accessibility of it has really proven to be one of the main catalysts of it. You know, and I think also just across the world, thinking about how this is kind of a constant human truth of just finding these um, outlets during a time where, you know, we're forced to be a part, um, the games industry really allowed for this, you know, the impact of the last year to really help bring people together in ways that, you know, if this happened 30 years ago, wouldn't have been possible. Now, I know I already asked you about, uh, the older demos, just cause that's it, sort of just interesting to me. Um, you know, the most active mobile gamer in my life is my mother who's 71, um, you know, <laughs> so like I see that for Zan. Uh, let's talk about a, a big part of the report, correct me if I'm wrong here, is around um, the opposite end of the spectrum. So younger gamers and how they compared to the uh, mobile gaming population pre-COVID. So h- how does um, how does that side of the, the age demographic data uh, look? Yeah. So, I mean, we saw that I think overall the new gamers like significantly skewed younger uh, than the existing Mm -hmm. players. Um, You know, those that were playing 
pre-pandemic is how we define existing. I think that kind of goes without saying, but I, I yeah. think that what's interesting is, you know, we look at the U.S. and people were playing like 13.1 uh, hours per week, which is kind of like, you know, it's a lot of time Maybe. to stare at a screen um, yep. versus the existing players who were playing, you know, 10.9 hours per week. So, you know, you, I think that there's obviously like the glossiness of it being now, as well as just, you know, these these players were also looking at multiplayer as kind of a core, you know, point of connectivity, uh, whether it's through existing, you know, relationships or meeting people through apps and, and kind of playing with them. Um, you know, it really shows the power of play and that community within this industry is so paramount. And, and could you talk about, so we've so we got this, this growth in younger players, which is, I think even without looking at this research report, everybody would in the industry would probably say, yeah, that, that checks out. Could you talk about some of the like preferences, like maybe genre preferences or game type preferences for this, this younger skewed cohort? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that um, when we look at like specifically the US, UK and Germany, um, we saw that in the US, 38% of people like preferred to have the social interaction and like that kind of conversational nature with players uh, versus the existing players. Um, you know, that was slightly percentage wise, uh, 29% um, lower, but still, you know, I think there is a lot of opportunity to think about, you know, the, the power of conversation and embedding kind of social features into the fabric of games. And, you know, I, I think that another kind of consideration is, outside of games, these people are, are engaging on social media, like whether it's on our platforms or on TikTok, you know, they're, they're consuming games out of kind of traditional play. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to really think about how to, you know, outside of the stay at home orders and moving forward to really um, find meaningful connections and social interactions um, within the online communities. I think this is kind of jumping ahead and not necessarily specific to this younger cohort, but I think just, just in general, you know, we saw this staggering, um, you know, unprecedented surge in streaming, which really, you know, shows that people are looking for this relationship with the human experience and are, are always going to find ways to connect. So there's just a lot of opportunity to really think about, you know, how to understand what these people care about, why they care about it, and then to like really hone in on, you know, these types of strategies moving forward to continue to have like to reach them. And I have to imagine, and I think your data suggests this, that not to not to put it all in one game, but, you know, the likes of Fortnite, PUBG, uh, the Call of Duty game, and the the, the countless other competitors that are both cross-platform and mobile-specific, because there are quite a few, they had to, like, their adoption along with the pandemic and, and streaming, because those are all, like, very, like, major games for streamers, too, like that. That had to be a pretty big shift. Um, and I, I imagine, and I think you guys make this point in your report, that, um, you know, some of that is console. It's like, People saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I like this franchise." Particularly in the case of Call of Duty, for example, we we actually had uh, someone from Activision on this podcast. Like, and you know, it's pretty clear they're seeing that that drag into the mobile app space now that their game, their mobile games are actually excellent. You know, maybe even on par with the the console side. Um, okay, let's talk about. I definitely want to come back to streaming, and I say that as someone who uh, literally watched 
a YouTube video of a streamer today as I had lunch. So I'm, I'm interested in that. But um, let's talk about spending slash monetization. So when you looked at, um, I'm, I'm not, not sure exactly how you looked at uh, spending monetization, but uh, any, any takeaways there on this, you know, existing gamer, new gamer kind of split? Yeah. So, you know, I think in all countries, we really saw that new gamers uh, were willing to spend more money um, on in-game purchases uh, than the existing gamers. Uh, You know, I think that there's some obvious uh, reasons for that, um, you know, really to like advanced levels or to have a collection or, you know, something that enhances the gameplay. Um, and I think that skins, skins, you gotta get skins. That's what we're talking about. Come on. Yeah. You know, um, and we, we saw that there was a, uh, 41% of, uh, people within the, within the new games, gamers population that were willing to, uh, spend, uh, which is interesting. And so, you know, thinking about really high. It is high, right? Like, you know, I think people were looking for ways to enhance their lives in ways that were completely like outside of their control. So, you know, you have the ability to enhance your life through, um, you know, games. So why not? And, you know, I think a lot of it too also comes down to people, you know, were looking for just ways in which they would be able to enhance their lives. Right. And I think that that, whether it's, you know, to have, a better gameplay experience or to skip over ads or whatever people were people were into it yeah and i imagine there's some there might be some like obviously there's a lot of dynamics but there's like the pandemic effect and then what games are new gamers drawn to and how are they monetizing like if it's true that you know shooters are more and more popular and those games are more and more about customization and build outs of your of your character like it all kind of it all kind of aligns but yeah that 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 pro- willingness to do in-app purchase number is shocking to me. And I just say that as like, as someone in the industry, but that that is shockingly high. Like I have never, ever made an in-app purchase in a mobile game. Like I'll go to the grave with that in mind. Um, that's crazy. Okay. Um, and, and what about, uh, I know, I know part of the, I know part of the research was around for lack of a better word, motivations, like what you know basically like what why are you interested in um gaming like what what are, what are the reasons um what were were there distinctions there between um known existing yeah i mean i think you know some of the the core motivations were really kind of uh rooted in just like the this sense of escapism right and just like this yes. this idea that the world around us is just so tumultuous, but, you know, I think some of the, the interesting things that we really saw like over index was 68% of people in the U S um, turn to mobile games to relieve stress. Uh, 62% did it's past time. Um, and this one I thought was uh, particularly just interesting. Um, somewhat comical is 57% did it to feel like a sense of accomplishment uh, you know, I think pre-pandemic, I'd like, you know, run a marathon, go to the gym, do something, you know, outside of like staring at a screen to feel accomplished. Well, uh, but, hey, but try to win a round of Fortnite. I mean, that shit true. is hard. It, it is an accomplishment. 
<laughs> yeah, that that and that's true. Um, but you know, I think it's there are a lot of like you know common uh, commonalities and just human truths that we saw across all the markets. And you know, feeling accomplished was certainly uh, something that uh, kind of over-indexed in all the markets that we surveyed. Okay, cool. And you know, I'm going to go a little uh, out of order here. Hopefully, that's okay. I yeah, know that correct. in the markets you looked at, South Korea was one of the major markets, right? That's correct. And the 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 data there was a little. It was a bit of a different story, as that is a very different gaming market. A more uh, advanced is the wrong word, but like it feels like more uh, pervasive in culture, at least. What any um, any quick takeaways on Korea versus the other regions? Like any any meaningful and no, like notable differences? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the kind of most interesting things is that we. Uh, in the South Korean market, particularly, was that there, you know, obviously there was an increase, thirty-four percent mobile growth in in the audience. Um, but I think what was what was particularly unique about this market is that they skewed older, um, mm-hmm. which I think was a little bit unexpected. And you know, they really kind of over-indexed in terms of like liking puzzle games, RMG, um, and simulation games, which was interesting and. They also really preferred to, you know, play multiplayer within the existing games cohort, and they wanted to kind of be a part of a team, um, which, you know, I, I thought was a, a very nice uh, kind of finding and sentiment there. But I think particularly with, you know, this, this demo um, skewing older um, is certainly an interesting opportunity for, you know, the, the industry at large. Okay, so spe- speaking of industry at large, last last couple topics. Um, you know, I'm going to softball this to you on behalf of many of the vendors in this space. But correct me if I'm wrong. But the report found, generally speaking, that the existing gamer cohort in-app purchasing, in-app spending had decreased, right? Presumably, if a function of economic, you know, pressure, etc. And, uh, and so the implication there is that, well, maybe regular old ad, you know, free to play, ad monetized type of gaming actually has a pretty, pretty strong foothold and, and will be around for a long time. There are many ad networks out there that would uh, very, very gladly <laughs> embrace that finding. So what, what was your takeaway um, there on, on like specifically around the existing gamer cohort, like how did their monetization uh, behaviors change? Yeah. So, I mean, when we think about the existing um, gamers cohort and, you know, their propensity to spend, I think that there's a lot of uh, interesting opportunity um, and just like, you know, thinking about ways to capitalize on the engagement and figuring out ways in which you can like reach them that feels a little bit more, you know, in line with what they expect from gameplay. Uh, obviously, like thinking about them <laughs> playing uh, roughly around the same amount of time as the new gamers, you know, slightly like l- less in terms of hours. I think there still is a lot of opportunity to think about, you know, how to reach them. Um, And doing so in ways where you're leveraging like the power of social to really hear from them and create like a two-way dialogue. So that was one thing that, you know, we saw that was just really interesting uh, going back to this like 
kind of construct of community um, is how, you know, these people are, you know, looking for, you know, these, these points of connection. So, you know, why not ask them a question of like, what would they like to see? Or what would it, you know, what would get them to spend more? Um, and I think for, you know, developers, like the increased engagement and the decreasing propensity to spend means that you really need to get like a little bit creative uh, with your ad-based um, monetization models and, and just think about, you know, having a more kind of like strategic approach in the long run to really like keep the uh, long-term value of these players while not neglecting, you know, the new cohorts that are kind of coming to to the games. Um, and just find, finding that that uh, balance, I think, is pretty critical. Okay, awesome. So now we're going to come back, I think, lastly, uh, on the live streaming side. Um, obviously, Facebook gaming is like a big thing um, and, and growing. So could you talk about both, both, I guess, in and outside of Facebook, what behavioral changes you've seen in terms of live streaming? Well, I think, I know we should add, live streaming and also recorded live streams for those like me who watch them later <laughs> and don't watch them live. Um, so yeah, what, what's the deal with streaming? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, as we've kind of touched upon, community has always just been a huge part of gaming. Um, and we sure. saw that in our research, um, millions of more people were playing games and it also created other opportunity to, you know, think about these communities and how they gather uh, through groups on our platforms and through live streams. So, you know, I think it's kind of been no secret that live streaming has really been on the rise for many, many years, like, you know, outside of gaming content. But we saw just this huge uptick and just like exponential growth on streaming platforms like Facebook gaming, you know, Twitch, YouTube gaming. Um, and just like, I mean, I laugh because like, the, the numbers are just like record breaking. And this is from a report that was uh, released by Streamlabs. There was 1 billion hours uh, clocked in Q3 2020 on Facebook gaming, 1.7 billion on YouTube gaming. And, you know, it kind of just like, <laughs> just starkly goes up from there. And on Twitch, it was 4.7 billion hours. Um, so when you think about that, it's just like, just insane, right? Like there is just such a momentum behind um, streaming and thinking about, you know, how many people uh, are, are watching in, in total from uh, July to September, people watch 7.46 billion hours of content, uh, which is a lot of hours. And, you know, that is just like such a huge uh, influx with the growth of 98 or sorry, 91.8% year over year. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm living that. I think I probably between chess streaming and gaming as you know, to define it in a more macro way. Um, I probably personally consume more of that content than I do all like linear Netflix, like could, you know, TV as it's traditionally defined at this point across all different devices too, phone on Roku, like cross board. Like I'm like, right. I, I, all this stuff like completely resonates with me. It's pretty amazing. And now like, I think the hot, the hot industry take, it's not even that hot of a take. It's so universal. It's like, okay, well, if live streaming is ubiquitous on the gaming side, like it's coming for, uh, you know, it's coming for e-commerce and all these other categories too. We're all going to be 
like reinventing HSN basically. Um, yeah. We'll see whether that, we'll see whether that's true. Um, I mean, you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. It like live shopping is huge in APAC. It's also like transcending now, uh, into other parts of the world. But, you know, I think it, it all comes back to like that, that, uh, human connection and that, you know, trusted source, right. That like yeah. bringing forward a recommendation and what's old is new again. And I think that's always kind of the way that history works, right. It's just very cyclical. Yeah. 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 That's right. Okay. Well, this is awesome. Um, so the report is free. It's accessible for download. Yeah. It's, uh, fb.gg forward slash insights 2021. And if you give it a Google, you know, it's uh, the Facebook Games Insights Marketing Report for 2021. That is a bit of a mouthful, but you'll find it. Um, And please feel free to download and yeah, give it a read. Spectacular. And yeah, there's there's been a fair amount of coverage in like Pocket Gamer and stuff, little little tidbits um, if you want to sort of get the summary, summary, summary version. Um, all right, Chloe, well, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, and on behalf of everybody, thanks for putting this report together. I think uh, you've set the bar pretty high for Facebook published, you know, user data. So I look forward to the stuff like this in the future. Probably beats the generic, oh, you know, CPMs are up by 10% or whatever, which most of the industry is publishing, myself included, I might add. So uh, yeah, it's really great. And thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, uh, you know, the the Facebook games team really kind of strives to bring this perspective forward. So stay tuned for more. Thanks for joining us for an insightful chat with Chloe Gingrich from Facebook. To learn more about changing player behavior, demographics, motivations, preferences, and spending habits, you can download the Games Marketing Insights for 2021 report by visiting the Insights tab on the Facebook gaming website. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll catch you on the next episode of MAU Talk. Mm -hmm.